This podcast is a product of the 4th and Inches Network. A podcast network designed to keep Husky fans up to date on their favorite programs around UW. Enjoy the show and go dogs. Go dogs. Go dogs. Hey Husky fans, welcome back to 4th and Inches, a Husky podcast from the 4th and Inches Network. My name is Trevor Mueller. With me is Kayla Olin and UW Leah. And we're here to talk about another win. Um, the tree has fallen. It's time to split some wood. Let's get into this game. Uh, you guys were both there. Both of you, I'd love to get your overall quick take on this game. Go for it, my dear. All right. Yeah. Um, you know, I should have been home yesterday. I am running a cold. No thanks to my seven-year-old. And instead, I rallied. Was back in session. Right. You got to do it. I rallied. I had uh, Dayquil, Advil. Um, coffee, beer, made lasagna, lost my voice at a tailgate, and watched an epic, epic win at the hands of the Stanford Cardinal. So um, really proud of our guys. Obviously, we've got some glaring areas of improvement that we'll talk about on the show. But, um, you know, this was a, a potential trap game, and our staff did not allow that. So I'm super proud of the guys. I personally could not be more impressed with the student section. And I know we had talked about, yeah, what else are they going to do? It, they're finally back on campus, but the students showed up and I was impressed. They were kind of there the same amount of times, the same amount of time as all the fans in terms of they didn't really start to fizzle out a little bit until like halfway to end of the third quarter, maybe start of the fourth. But at that point, it was pretty much put away for Washington. And so I just think for them to stick it out through halftime and everything, the crowd I was really pleased with, especially with traffic issues and it being a seven 30, so many excuses people could have made, but they showed up and I was really impressed. Obviously not a Michigan state crowd, but still. Yeah. And it's another one that, although maybe the game wasn't um, as wrapped up at the half as, as uh, previous games really felt like Washington had the momentum Uh, They were up 10. They were getting the ball back. Uh, It felt like once it got up to, you know, the two score game, I I thought it was going to be really hard for Stanford to make a comeback, Uh, even with how good Tanner Tanner McKee is supposed to be. The the pass rush was just better. And it was loud. That place was rocking even on third down in late in the second quarter or on the seventh sack. It was it was still loud. And I think that just not really shows that, you know, Washington fans are back, but Washington football is back and people are excited about it again. Yep, absolutely. I mean, I said out there earlier this evening that, you know, there was a sentiment that like, oh, Seattle sports had a really crappy weekend. Like, hi, there's still time to jump on our bandwagon and you can still wear purple and gold. Go dogs, we're four and oh, let's go. I saw that tweet. I really liked it because uh, Seattle sports did not have a bad weekend. Um, I, the Mariners had a, uh, you know, the Mariners had a terrible weekend. The Seahawks lost whatever. But if you're not paying attention to this Washington Huskies football program, uh, I don't really know what you're doing because they're exciting to watch. The offense is explosive. Uh, they play really for the most part, very fundamentally sound on both sides of the ball. We're going to get into that because there are some issues, uh, you know, giving up some points in the secondary, but 
you you look at some of the things that happened in that game it very well could have been a 40 to 7 game even taking away the five trips to the red zone where they settled for field goals i'd say the only thing that really kind of carried over from saturday because clearly wins did not happen was the drone issue yeah drone what was that like at the game that that must have been kind of weird huh i mean they I'm sure on... Did they announce it or no, they didn't just said okay. No. But like it was so it was so funny that like in the same night they're like, oh my gosh, they're super worried about a drone, but they can't seem to spot an uh, obvious two-handed shove for an offensive pass interference on Stanford. <laughs> so like like I said, what a time to be alive. I, and I, yeah, and then for it to happen like next, everyone's like, whoa, like and I'm sure the film the TV broadcast of the drone. Trevor, did they? Yes, show? they talked about it. They showed it a whole bunch. It yeah. was we like saw just like a glimpse, like you could tell that there was a drone in the air. But I think Jason anyone... pointed that out to me. He was with next to me, and he was like, "Oh, that's probably why they stopped it." But I had no idea. Yeah, and I think any Husky fan was probably just even like, "Okay, it's probably just like our marketing or our you know getting some kind of game footage or promo footage or whatever." I don't think anyone really thought about. It. They're like, "Okay, cool." But and then it was yeah exactly and then it happened at the Seahawks game apparently too. So weird. Leave it to uh, leave it to Seattle where there Amazon where there's a bunch of tech to have a drone issue. Right. Um, Kayla, moving on. I, I mean, let's talk about the first half versus the second half. The first half, Washington shuts out Stanford until. Uh, really late in the second quarter. It goes into halftime 17-7. Uh, what were your feelings about the first half and going into the third quarter? The first half was, I don't think, what people were expecting in terms of the offense. And if you want to look at numbers, it's fairly balanced from first half to second half. In the first half, Washington had 226 total yards, second 252. I think the biggest difference was probably people expecting more than 17 points on Stanford, especially sure. with two takeaways. Yeah. And if you kind of look at, you know, how these teams are playing against each other, it's okay. Well, say these two takeaways didn't happen then. And they had both have touchdowns of it. Washington is then down 21 to 17. And I think that's where probably, a little bit of the, well, why is this offense so slow? Why are they not performing how they should be? I think as a whole, however, Washington did a great job of getting the crowd into it in terms of you average about 9.8 rushing yards in attempt in the first half, which Washington fans weren't really used to. And you, you also, talked about that in the in the pregame, and I was wondering how you felt about that. It looked like the holes were massive. Uh, Tula Papa looked really fast through them, um, uh, even on his touchdown scamper. I mean, he was he outran guys that had angles on him. Yeah, and it was just exciting. And I, you have the takeaways, but also very first play Washington has in their very first drive of the game is a shot at the end zone, right. and. I think that was almost a little bit of a tease in trying to set the tone for what the offense was going to run or look like in terms of plays for the entirety of the game. And it wasn't that, but I didn't really have a problem with it, but it was just, I don't think it was a tale of two halves, so to say, but they looked to be a little bit more alive in the second half. And I really don't think there was really anything wrong with the offense as a whole. 
Yeah, you look at it. I mean, they scored 17 and 23. Like, Leah, that's pretty balanced. They kept they kept the pressure on the entire time. It looked like they definitely had a a plan of who they wanted to. What I like about this program is they really game plan for uh for certain teams to to highlight is the wrong word, but really game plan around some of the offensive players' strengths. Yeah, to, they really uh, they really there. exploit matchups. I yeah. feel like better than the last staffs did. It was like you were we were going to do whatever we were going to do regardless for the most part of who we were facing. And this staff is very different in that way that like from game to game, our offense may look like a different. I mean, we are going to do a lot of the same things, but it's not going to be completely formulaic like in the years past. I was really impressed with the sustained pressure that we got on McKee. Yeah. Eight sacks. Haven't had that since the 91 national championship game or team rather. So that was so impressive. Um, top to bottom. The only thing that I will say that all of us watching in my section were pretty frustrated with was getting sacks on second down and then not finishing the job and getting off the field. I cannot believe you just said that. I was going to say my biggest frustration was you get a sack and then you give the first down the very next play. So Leah, I love that you said that. I, so, which means it's clearly a consensus. I don't know about Trevor sitting at home, but no, it was yeah, annoying. it was it was frustrating. Where, you know, you you get them in a second and long situation, and there's still that's the great thing. There, there's still. I mean, all four of these wins have been dominant, and, and there's still things to clean up to to make it better for when they start to play and. I don't know who, you know, UCLA seems like it would be a tough game there for no, um, you know, or Oregon has showed a little bit where, you know, uh, I think a team that doesn't wear crimson probably puts them away in that situation. Oregon state looks solid. Like there's some pretty good teams, but it looks like everybody that they're going to play from here on out has some flaws uh, as does Washington, but they haven't been as glaring as some of these other programs if they can clear those up, which it seems like from week to week you're seeing, I think Washington could be in for uh, a lot of really quality, uh, really big time wins and some really competitive close ones. And I yep. feel like I sound like a broken record. You talk about glaring issues for Washington. And for me, it's still the DBs giving up 286 yards. And what I think is probably the, if I had to guess, one of the longest passes given up in Washington defense in recent history with gosh, what was it? It was 78 yards. So that yeah, was, I, I, that, I that, that was for, for me, I was just like, what are we doing here? So I'm going to push back a little bit. I, I looked at, um, I looked at the three touchdowns that they had. Uh, the first one, um, it was between um, Cameron Fabushian and, and um, Devon Banks, that one was uh, the 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 legit a legitimate touchdown that they scored that um, they beat those uh, those defenders. The other one was a blatant offensive pass interference. Obviously, it wasn't called, but it, uh, everybody in the stadium uh, and at home and on the broadcast said that it was an offensive pass interference. He two armed pushed Devon Banks out of the way to catch it. And then the last one, um, garbage time. The game is uh, essentially over. Uh, the 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 people, the three for sure that were in on it, that were part of the caravan chasing him. You have McKellistine, Javion Green, uh, Dyson McCutcheon, and then I, because of my, I it, I couldn't tell it was a single digit number, so it was either Alex Cook, 
Cameron Williams or, uh, or, or, or um, Chris Mall. I don't know which one it is, but that's guys that have not played a lot of games together when the game is over. I, it's not acceptable, but I understand it. You take that 78 yards away, you're looking at a guy who's around 200 yards for a day, and I'll take that all day. Yeah, I don't know how Leah felt about that. It's just – I don't like have- garbage time touchdowns, especially yeah. when I predicted um, 40 to 17, and I was darn close to that. If they- <laughs> and I was just – I was kind of irritated because I was just like I, – I was so much closer at the other number. But in all reality, like, these are kids. They're human beings. They're going to make mistakes. Um, I'm okay with garbage time mistakes as long as it doesn't turn into film to give our opponents a recipe for how to beat us next time. And I don't think that's going to happen because all of our biggest mistakes in these games, particularly the last two, have been in garbage time. And they haven't carried over to like uh, an advantage for our opponent the next week. And I do think that they're underscored by the staff in practice. So um, I'm not worried about it. It's just annoying as a fantasy. Very annoying. A hundred percent. And I think you look at what other programs are doing and where they struggle as well. And where does Wazoo struggle? Where does Oregon struggle? I didn't get to watch the Oregon state USC game. So I can't comment on those, but with those two teams having a weakness at the defensive position as well and locking down the pass, it kind of gives you a little bit of hope that, you know, while we may struggle, so do they. And if we can compete and go toe to toe and that's the only difference, then you're just a lot more confident going into said game. Yeah, for sure. And I think, you know, Michelle Powell is out for a few weeks. Perryman isn't healthy yet. Um, Asa still wasn't suited yeah, up. Asa yeah, Asa wasn't suited up. So uh, the only two starters you have at defensive back positions are Dom Hampton and Alex Cook. And the the production is is still there. Um, you know, the, the one interception was from Cam Bright, uh, on a really good play had, there was a couple of shades of, uh, uh, Byron Murphy out there, the big hit, um, by green, and then, you know, taking one off of a, a receiver's legs as he's fallen down, uh, what was fantastic to see, uh, you know, getting into some of those, I, I think that Washington does have an advantage, uh, with some of the issues that Oregon has, especially at. Um, at the defensive position, Oregon State can play defense now. Uh, and uh, that game uh, is going to be, I think, really interesting. The one game that's left at Husky Stadium that uh, I think is going to be, uh, uh, pr- yeah, probably circle. It's definitely going to be circled. The one I'm going to be most nervous about with, you know, Arizona, Colorado. That's the one that, you know, Washington has to get to really make sure they get that perfect home record. It's probably our biggest game against Oregon State since I was a student when we the year that we went to the Rose Bowl into the for the 2000 season when yeah. Oregon State coached by Dennis, Dennis Erickson came uh, to Husky Stadium back when night games were very rare under the lights and it was a very very close game uh, wire to wire. So Jonathan I, Smith was a quarterback then, right? I think he was. Yeah. Um so I anticipate it being that kind of an atmosphere. I do, but I think it's a Friday night game if I'm not mistaken, right, Trevor? I will look that up for you right now. Keep talking. I know, oh, UC- I know Washington has two Friday nights. One is UCLA next week. One is UCLA, yeah. and I'm, I'm pretty sure it's Oregon State at home. So um, you're correct. I believe that. I mean, if we can get that place packed, 
if we can get people to get off work early, get to get a note from their boss and get into that, get in that stadium and make, get lit and get loud. I'm, I'm here for it. I don't, I think that Oregon State's going to have a real hard time playing against a prepared Washington team with 72,000 people cheering against them. Totally agreed. Um, getting back to the trees, uh, Kayla offensive turning point. That one's hard just because I don't feel like Washington ever kind of struggled to get their offense going. But if you kind of look, if you have to pick one, I would definitely say for me, a turning point, and this is probably a little bit more of a personal one is I have ones that are kind of tied for two just because mine are more of a personal one instead of maybe as the entire game, but a turning point. And I think it's a turning point for the season and the confidence in the offense is just Wayne Tulapapa's two big runs, one being for 26 yards in the first quarter and one being for 34 yards for a touchdown. It's second and one on Stanford's 34 and he takes it to the house. And for me, it was a question on if, is the running back room going to be reliable? Is Wayne actually a RB one? Can we see a hundred yard game from him? And that was, I think an offensive turning point for me, not really just for the game, but for the season as a whole. Yeah, I love those um, mm-hmm. kind of going into the opposite direction. A big question mark for me heading into the season is like, not only can our wide receivers catch the ball, can they catch the ball when there's traffic? Can they catch the ball when they're challenged? Can they catch a 50-50 ball, come down with it, stick the landing, and not drop the ball? So for me, it's got to be Romadunze's catch in the end zone. Yeah. Oh, that was a great catch. Beautiful. He, <clears throat> yeah. I also love to tie into what you're saying, Leah, is we had talked a little bit about on the pregame spaces of Jalen McMillan shines one game at receiver, and then Jalen Polk shines the next. And yeah. Rome just yeah. said, my turn. And he – it was it's crazy good luck to any defense trying to plan on who to guard because (laughs) not going to be easy yeah and that's that's kind of what i'm thinking about when it comes to uh some of the matchups that they seem to exploit really well um you saw that they went with not that you know jalen mcmillan and jalen polk also are very good yards after the catch but roma dunes they seem to be really featured along with um uh, um, Giles Jackson, and then the running back who didn't play last week. Will Nixon? Are Will you Nixon. To, okay, yeah. I don't know if you're like Sam Adams getting his. No, first not touch. Sam Adams. No, no, no. <laughs> not, I love that he got carries. Um, another one that Kayla, I we've talked about a little bit. Uh, Peyton, uh, Peyton Henry nailing a 47 yard field goal. I would be lying to you if I told you I didn't close my eyes. <laughs> I want to close my eyes when he kicks the PAT because it's hard to untrain you, your brain. Are you scarred from Oregon in 2017? Oh, times 10. Yeah. <laughs> She's actually I, in therapy for it, but yeah. Pretty much. My therapist and they're like, why are you here today? And I'm like, well, let <laughs> me tell you. It all started in Eugene, Oregon with this freshman. It's a left leg. <laughs> And they're like, mm, you wouldn't be the first one coming in for an issue. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's, I feel bad always knocking the kid and making fun of him that I just can't watch him kick a ball. But at the same time, it's one of those fool me once, shame on you, fool me twice, shame on me. And yeah, I felt the same way about Tristan. 
So I mean, yeah. um, me twice, you fool me again. I, As he like kicked a sixty yarder in the NFL last year, right? I was like, where were you? Right, beating well, Utah. That's mm, right. That's right. Um, you know, I, I, I won't lie. I definitely said out loud to anyone who would listen, he's not going to hit this. He's not going to hit it. I was like, all right, well, I guess I have to take a shot now. So, um, I'm like, yep. Turn around. Just everyone just turn around. I was just, I watched it and I was like, well, I'm glad he proved me wrong. So, yeah. um, gives me confidence, but, um, can he do it in a hostile environment? And I'm not saying that the Rose Bowl is a hostile environment since the Bruin athletic All department 20 fans. quite literally trying to pay people to go to that game, including against four and Washington with their Bruins being also four and but I want to see him do it in a not friendly environment too. Yeah, for sure. Uh, defensively, I think, uh, forcing the, the, uh, the punt, uh, the start of the third quarter after going down, kicking another field goal, going up, um, going up 20 to seven, uh, it was a three and out. Uh, and then they, uh, the next drive, they score a touchdown, essentially ending the game at 27 to seven. Uh, I think that <laughs> the pass rush, the, uh, the linebacker play, the way that the defensive line is working, uh, the stunts that they're doing, pulling around each other. They just, they look like an elite unit. Agreed. Agreed. I mean, I'm going to have a hard, really hard time picking a defensive player of the game later because yeah. I mean, eight sacks as a unit, um, they just looked, I mean, the defense save for, as previously discussed, a couple of snafus on, you know, the back end, the defense played a pretty good game against a team that has historically had our number. And yeah. uh, this is part one of this new staff starting to exercise the demons of teams past. Um, so I, you like to see it. And the defense was a huge part of that. Eight sacks. That's bananas. Yeah. Great. When they, they literally had shown it was like seven sacks or whatever. They said it over the loudspeaker. I was like, wait. And then you're having to count. You're like, did they really just coming from a team who struggled to get sacks against Kent State and Portland State? Clearly they were just storing them all in their back pocket for some conference play. Well, and I mean, I hope, I hope you are near uh, Chick-fil-A because every sack you get free chicken at Chick-fil-A through Monday. So Chick-fil-A is like, Oh, well, we already had a chicken <laughs> shortage and now we do. Here yeah, come no Husky joke. fans. Yeah. I've, no joke. Yeah. Trevor, I'm curious as to kind of your side of things here. And then Leah, I like would love you to chime in too, because I feel like every podcast we have, we talk about something that we're relieved about that we were nervous about. And now we bring up something else to nitpick about. And we have to, unfortunately, find those things. But something for me is on offense, the third down conversions. Yeah. Washington had 15 third down attempts and they only converted three of them. Yeah. So, and this kind of ties back into, again, our pregame space is, having first and goal twice against Michigan state and can't get it in. Is this a little bit of a looming situation that we kind of saw exposed against Michigan state or how big of a concern should this be? Yeah. I think that the, the offense, when we get in the twenties, I think is the glaring concern over these last two weeks 
Um, I think that they have to figure out ways to be efficient down there. Five field goals, while great for Peyton Henry, uh, is not good for the program. Uh, I think that you have to convert three of those, and uh, you know you're not gonna you're not gonna go 100 in the in the red zone. However, I think. Washington has to think about getting a little more creative with some of the fan, the, the amazing athletes that they have down there. Um, you know, even on the fourth down, when they did the sweep to, uh, uh, uh the tight end, um, you Devin Cole, I mean, what, what a great call. And you have guys that can, that can run that you have Jalen McMillan that's running successfully Roma Dunes and of course, Giles Jackson. So, uh, getting, Getting the, the pile moving the other way, uh, misdirection, um, naked boots with uh, some high percentage throws for, or, or even low percentage, get the ball out quickly for Penix. Uh, I think there's ways to do it, then hit them up the middle as well. I think there's there's a lot of meat left on the bone there, uh, and I think that's where you're going to see a lot of points of emphasis going into Friday. I tend to agree. Also, you know, as much as Kayla said, that I like the practice that Peyton Henry is getting because he absolutely can use it. All kickers can. Sure. Um, I worry about our inefficiency in the red zone for sure. And I think it's a challenge to our offensive coaching staff of just like ramping up the creativity, not being formulaic, not giving guys, uh, okay, well in this situation, they're going to do this and, and having it be too easy to play defense. So that's the challenge. Um, and, and, you know, we've got plenty of practice left in the season to get to improve every week. So I like that as an area of concern. You know, my favorite play is in the red zone that they don't use very much is the handoff jump throw to the tight end. (laughs) You don't, you don't like that Leah? No, it's awesome. No, if it works, if it works, which, uh, what's the stat on that Trevor? I don't want to talk. I, Stats are for losers from what I heard from a couple of regimes ago. I mean, I mean, it's also really helpful he the fifth. when your tight end or, or wide receiver doesn't jump out of bounds when they catch it. Oh, oh, speaking of pain points, speaking of Stanford sadness, holy that cow. was Cal. It was Cal. You're right. I'm sorry. That was Cal. Close. Um, ouch. Just a, just a couple of SAT points off. Ouchie. <laughs> Okay. Uh, yeah. You get the like extra points for like writing something in your answer, but you don't get the full. Yeah. Credit. Yeah. Um, some other really interesting statistics. Um, Washington um, has did not give up a sack again. The offensive line was nailed. Jackson Kirkland was in for part of the game. Um, you can see his, how good he is. He's still coming back from injury. Um, I, I got to go back to Tanner McKee. If you take away, that 78 yard gar- 78 yard garbage time touchdown you're looking at uh just over 200 yards through the air two touchdowns and an interception i'm going to live with that all day with this defensive back room that's dinged up and young speaking of jackson kirkland that block that he laid out <laughs> i felt that i was like oh wow did your ancestors feel it kayla my ancestors and their ancestors felt that one i and then i was like where's michael Penix? where's his reaction he's got to have another one we have to have a highlight reel of his uh hard hit reactions i need more rg3 on color commentary 
uh he the, he's a magician with words um yeah the 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 whole subgenre of football commentary with uh double entendre sexual innuendos yeah untapped market that we need to cash in on untapped market <laughs> simply seattle's going for it next thing you know um scott hansen for red zone's gonna be like working all week like how can i get some in here because it's clearly what gets talked about yeah yeah absolutely uh moving on to grades we have uh offensive line uh when you don't give up a sack to uh and your quarterback stays upright the entire game the running back room is more successful and you win big you get an a from me same um that's the most important thing to the, I think the success of our season is absolutely runs through the offensive line and their ability to keep Mike healthy. He's upright. He can throw those dimes and our receivers catch the ball. We're having a great year. So um, yeah, absolutely. They um, they're rock stars today. A plus for me. Roger Rosengarten is He's unbelievable. A He's a dude. Nate, yeah. Nate Kalepo has taken a massive step the entire offensive line and you want to talk about an offensive line that you didn't think could get better from 2020 when you don't give up a sack through three games. And then all of a sudden this 2022 team says, nah, we, we mean business. Yeah. This, this, this offensive line is playing out of their mind. And if it stays this way, Washington's going to be hard to beat. I was nervous about missing Jackson Kirkland for the first say week, week and a half. And then honestly, I kind of forgot to look and see if he was out, if he was even out there on Saturday. And you have, and then you have Nick Kalepo move into the left guard where he started the game. Yeah. That that just the left side is taken care of. Um, (laughs) Too bad. It's not his blind side anymore. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh, running backs, uh, you got to go at least to B plus. Uh, Tula Papa had uh, his biggest game as a Husky. I, that 34-yard run you mentioned, Kayla, he looked like an elite back with breakaway speed. And that's, you know, that's what you're kind of looking for. That's what you're ha- hoping to have. 9.2 yards of carry, 120 yards on the day, and the touchdown. Um, it was 34 yards. It could have been 50. He said, yeah, don't mind me. I'm just going to go ahead and just leave everyone in the dust here. I would probably go A minus yeah. A on there. It's hard because, wow, Wayne is an A player. You don't really have anyone else close behind him. The next close, he like you said, Trevor, 120 yards. And then Will Nixon is the next closest Will in 21. So. Yeah, and, and Will Nixon with the touchdown as well. I mean, he. Uh, in the limit, it's not uh, carries for everybody else. Uh, Nixon was really efficient with his uh, five and a half yards on the ground. I mean, but yeah, that's the only reason why it's even a A minus is just mm-hmm. Wayne can only be a one man show so many times. I would yeah. agree with that. I'd probably actually go with B plus for that reason because the fewer offensive uh, weapons we have on the ground the easier it is to game plan for Washington. So I'm going to challenge our staff, not only to be a little bit more creative with the playbook and as it pertains to red zone offense, but also to get uh, Will Nixon, um, Cam Davis, is he, 
Is he injured? Um, Richard Newton had a couple. He had, I think he was in the game yesterday and had a carry. So he had five carries for 13 yards. There you go. Um, but not really a factor. So looking for them to have more of a factor because them being factors makes the defense honest and opens up the wide receivers a little bit more. So B plus. I think yeah, Kaylin um, had commented on Cam Davis just not being 100% healthy. Trevor, you can correct me if yeah. I'm wrong there. No, yeah, he said that they just went with the healthiest bodies they had. Uh, so okay. that, that means that Davis is probably nicked up a little bit. Um, I think even more than that, they went matchup because they were clearly trying to get um, the passing game going in uh, from the running back position. That being said, uh, Cam Davis can catch the ball out of the backfield. They did throw one to uh, Richard Newton that was a little bit behind him. Probably should have caught it, but he dropped it. So it's probably health. Um, it could be matchup as well. You give Mixon a chance. He's absolutely a threat out of the backfield. I can see that as a reason. Wide receiver seems like a pretty easy one to me. They're an A. Uh, I, I can remember one drop from Jalen McMillan. Other than that. Devin Culp had a bad one. Oh, he did? I missed he did. That one. Like, I was like, oh, Devin, this is a high school play here, sir. So A minus? I get on board with an A minus. I give them an A minus. Solid game, not their best game, but I'm not complaining. Roma I mean, Dunze. Roma Dunze gets a plus. an A plus. <laughs> that that traffic catch was a professional catch. Yeah. He oh, is sure. the person on a group project who carries the team, and everyone else is like, "Hey, you you can pull the weight of this project, right?" And he's like, "Jalen yeah. McMillan also had a professional catch early." Um, where he went up over over I, I think he was bracketed. He he took it away from a guy. Landed Great on his head, right? Well. What's that? Landed on his head, right? Did he? Like uh, he uh, like caught it and came down and kind of like rolled on top. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Great catch. Um, quarterback. Uh, not probably not his best game. Still threw for over three hundred yards. Still won in convincing fashion. So. Uh, I don't know, A minus. He was, he still, it didn't throw an interception, didn't get sacked, uh, missed a couple of throws, missed an early deep ball. Other than that, he was great. I, I'm going to go A minus. Still in the Heisman conversation. Yeah. 59% completion percentage. It's not a great day, I guess, if you yeah. want to kind of be critical about how he's played the previous three games, but it's not the worst day. I'll take no interceptions and 59%. So there is that. And he also is officially the quarterback with the most passing yards in all of college football nation. So excellent point. Yeah. I mean, where are you going to ding him? If you have to find something, I'll go B plus a minus, I guess we are, we're giving our quarterback an a minus. We won by 18 points in a game that he threw for 300 yards. We're a holes. Wasn't even his best game. These are all true facts. These are true yeah. statements. But like that, stepping back and looking at that from the big picture shows you how the trajectory of this team could be. So yeah, I do think A- minus is fair because we know what he's capable of. He only hit 59% of his passes. We know he's capable of 75, 80. Mm -hmm. And we would have won by 40 if that happened. But I mean, right. 18 points is still, you know, like I said yesterday, good teams win, great teams cover, and Washington did both. 
You're absolutely It's right. got to be the biggest margin of victory against Stanford in quite a while. Because usually oh, it's always. Since 2016, right? Yeah. So six years and it takes a 59% completion from our quarterback. Like, wow. It's okay, I guess, you guys. Yeah, I mean, our standards were clearly, like, they went from – my standard going into the season was like i'll be happy with you know making a bowl game we'll probably see right. like seven maybe eight with a bowl win and now i'm just like 59 <laughs> who are mm-hmm. you do you play college football he doesn't even go here he doesn't even go here <laughs> we don't even know who the starter is yet <laughs> no right <laughs> uh who wants to go first on mvp there's an easy one i'll go last I'm- I'm going to go ahead in spaces when it was asked who my prediction is yep. offensive and defensive. I said Rome, so dibs there. Yeah. Um, I, I'm going to go to La Papa. Uh, fantastic day. Really answered some questions around the running game. And I'm going to go with the, um, I mean, I guess I did this last week too, but the unsung heroes of the offensive line, no one is the best, but Honestly, those guys don't get enough love and 100%. none of this is possible without those guys being the absolute studs that they are and protecting um, Michael Penix and obviously honorable mention to our lowly 59% completion rate <laughs> slash Heisman Trophy candidate, Michael Penix Jr. Tisk tisk, 59%. <laughs> Kayla, defensive line. This one is a solid... is probably what I'll go with I would probably even want to go a little bit higher just they started out really really strong but again you look at making sure that they get in the backfield and get a sack but then it would be a run up the middle for Mm -hmm. a big gain and they did give up a hundred yard rusher yes so for that that's kind of where I ding them however if you go back and you look at what this d-line was like against the run a year Two years ago, you're closing your eyes just like you are. Yeah. Peyton Henry's kicking, and so I'll say B. I'm gonna yeah, go. With, I'm gonna right. go with B plus. Sorry, I'm gonna go with B plus just because like, um, they for you know between the whole unit, the whole defensive unit, they really didn't lose contain yeah. on yeah. Tanner McKee. He was never able to feel really comfortable there, yeah. and even though they did get those really frustrating to watch third and longs completions and like runs up the middle. Um, ultimately it was a bend don't break mentality. I'd like to see even less bend and absolutely no break next week. So, um, yeah, B plus for me, but looking, looking to get a, maybe an A minus next week. Yeah. Yeah. You guys are right around it. Um, I think that when you get a sack on second down and it gets third and long, that should be an automatic, uh, situation. Yeah. So I think that's definitely something that going to have to be addressed um so yeah b b plus i think is really appropriate linebacker Oof, i like this one this one is hard because there's a lot of rotation we're seeing going on a linebacker compared to previous years when you look at a year year and a half ago and it's strictly ztf and it's eddie and then with a little bit of sermon going on in there but there's a lot of rotation. There's a lot of talent there. I was really happy with them. I thought they probably looked the best out of every defensive group. And so with that, I mean, you can't be upset. You have two sacks with Tupatala. You have two sacks with Trice. 
you have a sack and a half with ZTF. You have a half a sack with Cam Bright. I just Jeremiah Martin a sack and a half. I'm I'm gonna go A plus. Eight sacks is out of this world. When yeah. you look at the non-defensive ends, um, and you look at because I, I you know outside linebacker defensive end, it's uh, fluid with with this group. But you look at the guys that are behind the line. Um, Alfonso Tupatala, six tackles. Carson Bruner, five tackles. Chris Mole, five tackles. Cam Bright, four tackles, plus the interception. Uh, that's a lot of production. Um, and I think you're right on with around an A, Leah. Yeah, I mean, I, how can you look at the team total of eight sacks in this unit and give anything but an A+. Plus? What, what more could they have done, honestly? They made Tanner McKee uncomfortable and made him rush several throws. We saw that too. And those don't really get tracked. So um, to me, yeah, that's an A plus. I, I, I would love to see that in every game. Absolutely. Leah question, comment, concern, the amount of time that you have to focus on the UCLA game on Friday. Could you track rushed throws? Is that like a big ask? Like, could you just like tally them being like, okay, there's pressure, how many rush throws? Because you're right, there is no stat on that. No, I don't think that's something that, like, as just, like, a completely aside, that's what I love about baseball is that all these stats are so easy to track because they're measurable. And so a rushed pass is a much more, like, objective thing that you have to really be watching for. So it's really hard to track, as are almost all stats in football. They're all basically up to – how good the person is analyzing the film. But um, unfortunately, I will not have time to do that. But I, I was pleased to see how many times he felt uncomfortable and how many, how much those sacks, even when we didn't get home on him, were affecting him up here on his brain. Yeah. Plus, then you get the crowd noise when it throws that bad. Yep. Oh, yeah. Uh, defensive backs. <sighs> Again, it's... You always want to give the benefit of the doubt, like you were saying, Trevor, just with the injuries that were there with the only two real starters being able to participate as Hampton and Cook, and they led tackles. Dominic Hampton had eight. Alex Cook had seven. But I just – if we're being critical and if we're being critical about the D-line having a great day but still saying, hey, you also still gave up runs and we have to be critical about the DBs. And I think with that, I'm going to go – B minus. I don't really care if it's garbage time. I'm not going to get over the 78 yard bomb. That's just my personal opinion there. So C plus B minus. I'm going to go B minus. I mean, like you don't give up, um, you know, 22 points. Maybe you stick to seven or 15 and it's, and it's maybe even a BB plus, but um, in a different, in a different world an alternative universe, that could have made the game and we're going to, they're going to, there's going to be film on that of our failures there. So that's an, an area of growth and it needs to get cleaned up. So for that, I'm going to say B minus. So UCLA's wide receivers coach is working on two hand shoves all week. Oh, I mean, easy. they're not going to throw the flag. So absolutely. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I think that I, I, I mean, B minus is, is a, is an above average score. So it's, I think you guys, as you guys are being very critical, which is good, but you're also on, like giving them credit for the for the good things that they did. And so with that, I mean, 
<laughs> I was ready to fight you guys, but uh, I think I'm right there with you. I think that there's definitely room for improvement, um, but I don't think it's as bad as uh, Twitter would have you believe either. Yeah, and it's hard because we talked about injuries. You want to give them the benefit of the doubt of, hey, you don't really get the starch. You don't really get that much playing time. But at the end of the day, the final score doesn't care if you're out your starters. The final score doesn't care if can I tell you Someone's a story injured? about that? Oh, facts please. don't care about your feelings, Trevor. Facts don't care about facts your feelings. Facts don't. That is the title of this podcast. Facts don't <laughs> care about your feelings. Listen, one of my best friends names Josh. We were watching the Rutgers game in 2016. And uh, Keith, freshman Keith Taylor tripped over his own feet uh, for the touch to, to give up uh, the, uh, uh, they gave up the first touchdown of the game in garbage time. Keith Taylor was persona non grata for that guy for uh, the next year. And then Keith Taylor became yet another great defensive back, even though his first experience was tripping over literally his own feet for to give up a touchdown. So in that sense, those guys that you saw, uh, unless something crazy happens, probably aren't going to see a lot of time um, again, in, in big time situations, experience through failure is experience. Uh, and I am here for it. I can't wait for one of their moms after they go, like, and get drafted in the NFL in like four or five years. Just like, Hey, remember when you were giving them a B minus C plus I'm like, yeah, yeah. I, I hear you, <laughs> but you're welcome. Yeah. I mean, like you're right, Trevor, like, you know, experience like that helps shape your uh, how hard you work to get it back on the field Mm -hmm. and so you know you're going to be given an opportunity so you better not with it like that so um thankfully that we were in a position where we could afford to have a big mistake like that but i guarantee those kids are going to turn out to be really good players most of them and the next time they see real action like that that's not going to happen 100 percent. and i think if you want to make an offensive comparison more recently sam heward getting thrown out there in the apple cup and interception after interception after interception yeah he's getting great reps but (laughs) was it that fun or that good for his self-esteem and his confidence i don't think so maybe but what do you remember who caught justin herbert's first pass i do i do oh was buddha baker Baker. and what happened to i was there Justin Herbert is now one of the best quarterbacks in the league. So I'm just saying that like, you're right, Kayla, but there's still time for Sam and what a redemption story that might be for him to come back and become a starter at Washington eventually and um, run up the score against the Kooks and maybe go to Otson and run up the score against um, the Ducks in the same place that the pick happened against his dad. So Someone I'm- in the Netflix, like, corporate office is like rubbing their hands like waiting for this prime opportunity for that to happen they're like haha we got your next docuseries don't you worry exactly so i i do believe that there's a redemption story out there for sam waiting for him i sure hope so especially if michael Penix keeps playing the way he is then i don't know if we see him in purple next year at least not washington's purple could be viking purple viking purple (laughs) yeah yeah um i think you know i i think tape is tape i mean uh it's it's really hard to play at the division one level and not at some point make a mistake especially when you're first out there so uh 
nothing but good feelings for me for those guys. Uh, Dyson McCutcheon personally is one of my favorite players on this team. Uh, I think he's going to be an absolute star. Uh, but speaking of stars, who's your MVPs on the defensive side of the ball? Leah should get to go first because she was All a right. gem and went last for offense that I could say Rome. So, okay. I think I'm going to um, actually surprise you with who I'm going to pick because I had a long conversation with Jason today about like there, I said, they're going to ask this question and I'm having a really hard time, you know, cause you know, uh, What's the name of the guy? I think he got two of our um of the fumble fumble recoveries. Fatu Tuatele. Yeah, Fatu Tuatele. He was the one I was going to go with, or, um, you know, one of the guys who got multiple sacks. Yeah. And he made a really good point. Jason did of like, you know, you don't get those fumble recoveries without the strip. Like somebody has to create that opportunity for you. And I know ZTF has had a really rough start to the beginning of the year, but what a redemption story for him to get us a sack and a half, a strip, allowing his buddy to get pounce on that ball. And part of the reason why this was never a contest. So for me, it's my buddy Zion Tupula Fatui. Welcome back, big dog. Let's go get another great week next week in the Rose Bowl. I love it. And don't lose him. He brings up a great point. Yeah, for sure. Trevor, what about you? I'll, oh, I'll um, we'll go reverse order. Okay. Today's my nice day. Ah uh, man, the ZTF was a really good, uh, really good choice. I'm going to go with the guy across from him, uh, and I'm going to go Jeremiah Martin, who had the other strip sack. Um, he looks like an absolute different player than he did even last year, where. Um, he he mostly contained the edge. Uh, now he's become a legitimate pass rusher with a couple of really good moves. Um, he's he looks stronger. He's pushing offensive linemen around. He had a little jump cut yesterday to get into the backfield. Um, really, really like the energy and you know the leadership being a captain that Jeremiah Martin has showed. I like it. I think that was a good one. That was also one I was deciding between two. Um, for me, I've got to go with, and my kind of joke nickname right now for him is little caveman himself. I say that because he had a club on his right <laughs> hand yesterday. Uh, Braylon Trice, you just. Traylon has a club. Yeah, exactly. Oh, and on top of kind of what Leah was saying is, you know, you need people to help create said takeaways mm-hmm. and also be there. Five total tackles, all solo, two sacks, three tackles for losses with doing so with one hand. I mean, I'm sure that club helps a little bit in terms of kind of, yeah, I, I would give him the ball if he came out with a club that big. Like, <laughs> but just in general, he's somebody who has really, really stepped up this season, missing Eddie. Obviously, we miss him on the field. He's one of the smartest defensive players that I've seen for Washington recently, but it, it's hard to miss him when you have Braylon there. And it's Liz's dad's favorite, so kudos. I mean, technically, it's Traylon Bryce. Thank that, you. Yeah, so. I'm sorry. How, how freaking dare I? <laughs> how dare you? I hope you buy his jersey, but you make sure to change it. <laughs> <laughs> I probably will, and then I go find Braylon and have him autograph him. That's Be like, amazing. I need you to like actually learn your signature he, because this isn't your name. He actually With would love probably, Traylon Bryce. He would probably love that, frankly. <laughs> That's amazing. Um. Uh, you know, any any more parting shots before we end this one? Um, personally speaking, I 
I have a hard time deciding who I hate more, Oregon or Stanford. This is personal for me, so I love that the guys came out with a special passion for this game and made it never, never in question. That was so satisfying. It's always good to beat those nerds down on the farm. And Trevor, I know we get to talk about it in the next week's podcast, but this is kind of my chance to talk to Leah a little bit. I'm not really having a crowd with UCLA makes a nice transition from home to an away game, but is there any sort of nervousness with Washington going on the road for the first time with Kaylin DeBoer? Absolutely. There is. I mean, that's a big question mark. I thought going into this second, um, quartile of the schedule every game Stanford at UCLA at ASU presents a new challenge in Stanford it's this is a team that historically has our number regardless of where we play it's a tough really knockdown drag out fight we checked that box we got a runaway victory we beat the spread all that we don't know how this team plays on the road we have no idea I was looking at the record book UCLA has beaten Washington I think 14 of the last 20 times Um, They're one of the teams historically that has a winning record against Washington. We don't play well against UCLA. We tend to play better actually against USC recently. So I'm looking at that and I earmarked that as a loss. I I expected the Huskies to be 4-0 at this point, but I thought this was going to be our first loss. So yeah, I'm I'm pretty nervous about this game. I don't know what we're going to get. I don't know what being away from home is going to do for these kids. Um, I also really think that the staff has a really a hunger to them that I haven't seen in a very long time. So I'm excited, but I'm, and I'm nervously optimistic, but I am, I don't think the Huskies will win. That's where I'm at. Yeah. I picked it as my trap game going into season. I also wasn't, I will say that I didn't think Washington was going to be Michigan state prior to first game of this season. Just you look at Michigan state last year and you look at Washington last year and how they're being set up. But Trevor, and I know we're going to talk about this a little bit more, but as we're kind of transitioning from Stanford to another Cal team, is it a kind of, are you expecting a little bit less with such short turnaround only having six days instead of seven? Yeah, that's a really good question. I don't love that it's on Friday. I do love that it's a place that's probably not going to be that loud. Uh, and I do love the fact that Kalen DeBoer every single time, all four games has had these guys um, absolutely locked and loaded from the start uh, of the game where there isn't, you know, even that 2020 season where Washington would go down big and then they come back and win. Um, these guys are dialed in to start and, you know, they, they hardly punt in the first half. It's wild. So uh, I'm, I'm feeling each game since Michigan state, I've felt more nervous before each game and it hasn't stopped. I'm more nervous about, UCLA that I was about Stanford and I was more nervous about Stanford than I was about Michigan state because they keep winning. My anxiety level is just going through the roof. I think just to build on that, I think you are also probably picking up on the fact that we have more to lose and that, you know, what we're capable of. So you're emotionally writing more and more high on this team. And we all are. And so like, I expect them to show um, some of their human nature. And I do expect a, a close loss this weekend, but I'd love nothing more than to be wrong about that. I'm personally shaking over ASU still. I mean, cool. Her Meyer, her, her Edwards was just fired on the field after their last game. Awesome. Okay. Well, 
Washington still struggles down in Arizona. Oh, so, Arizona State's a dumpster fire. They might be just as bad as Colorado. Yeah, uh, that, but you know what happened program Colorado last disarray. year? We know I, I know, and I'll be nervous Colorado. about it after UCLA, but right now, US, US, uh, that was the easiest pick of the day, was taking 15 and a half for Utah over ASU. That was a lock. That yeah. team sucks. Yeah, it's I mean, just, you look back at the history and – teams that have their number in Washington, they go to Arizona and they're like, football, what's that? We don't want to play. They got a bunch of guys on their staff that gave information to uh, other teams when they go yeah, in was and that coach staff those kids. Was that Who cares? Players, though? Who, cares? Yeah. Who cares if you hate your head coach? You did that to the kids. Yeah. That is trash That's- league. That is you shouldn't have a job after that. A hundred percent. They need to clean house and those guys. I mean, quick, quick thing but was it staff or was it students? Because let's not forget when Jane Daniels, when Jane Daniels transferred, he had his former teammates there throwing out things from his locker. So there's just been a lot of hostility going on in that locker room. The report said coaches. It said coaches. Okay. Coaches. That's horrible. I mean, oh, you got me all fired up and it's almost, it's 10 o'clock at night. You're like palms are sweating. He's oh, got that makes cortisol so dump going on. He's got all these hormones. Now he's ready, to go. he's ready to have a dog fight now. Here we go. So I, I think, mean, you know, I, I probably obviously can't participate in your uh, midweek podcast owing to my grad school schedule. But um, yeah, I, I think this is going to be an exciting week to be a Husky. Um, obviously a lot on the table, but, you know, U- UCLA is 4-0 as well. We don't really know who this Bruin team is. And we'll find out a lot on Friday. And I don't love the fact that we are... We have a short week. We have it's a travel week, and now we have two mm-hmm. games on the road, both in places that we historically don't win at. Um, and I expected the Huskies to go two and one in this quartile. Still expect that. Do expect a loss, which means ipso facto that I'm predicting a win in Tempe. What? <laughs> I I don't know. I don't know what I'm smoking, but um, for me, it's always been a loss in Tempe until it's a win. So, yeah. but um, in LA, um. I, I do not think we will be the Wizards of Westwood. I think we will probably get a close loss. Yeah, you throw that and Trevor always rides UCLA's train. He, Trevor loves, he's always just like, yeah. They're, they're. Do you like Charmin Blue? You like soft things? I just like, look, um, Chip Kelly to me is Taco Bell. I, every year I go back to him. And I regret it. It's not good for my what? stomach, I, but I keep going back. It's, it's, I, a, I did, it's I've, a dysfunctional I've, relationship. I've picked them to be it's better than they were. Relationship. Every, you know yeah, every single year, I picked them you. to be better than they are. And I'm I'm done with it. I, they're going to go eight and four because they have a terrible record, but I should hope one of their eight. What's that? I was just going to say, I listened to your podcast with Jake and I absolutely agree with you that there's, yeah, they could go eight and four because they just don't play anybody. Yeah, um, be like play in the South. Or, 84 BYU team. Hmm. Don't get me started on how much we hate BYU. <laughs> As our palms couldn't get any more sweaty. Am I right? <laughs> yeah. But hopefully everyone's in a good mood a week from now and we get to have another fun podcast because okay. Trevor and I pushed through miserable podcasts last season. I'm, I'm done with it. We did. Well, and- I, I graced you with my presence despite really not being able to breathe out of my nose, having to mute myself 20 times to cough and, you know, struggling through being hoarse from a football game. But you know what? It was all worth it. Will you give us a hello, dog fans? Yes.
Hello, dog fans. The gravel and the voice and everything. Well done. <laughs> Leah, we appreciate you coming on, fighting through the elements. Go dogs. Go dogs. Beat Go. the friends. Go dogs. Powder blue sucks. <laughs> <laughs> I love it.